This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P, Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents... The Adventures of Superman. Superman learns that Lois Lane and Bucky Taylor have gone to investigate the hideout of the man without a face, he speaks to their rescue, only to find a dark and deserted house with no sign of any of them. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, isn't it fun when you meet up with one of your pals to compare notes on your collections of comic buttons in that new series from packages of Kellogg's Pep? There's that business of showing how many that you've collected and trading duplicates to add to your collection. Now, here's how that works. Uh, suppose you have two buttons with Superman on them, and your friend has two busy buttons. Well, you swap your extra Superman for his extra busy, sure, and you each have a different button for your collection. And these pep comic buttons are so doggone smart looking that, well, you're mighty proud to wear them on your jacket or your dress or cap. Now, here's how easy it is to collect them. You just ask Mom for some Kellogg's Pep. That's all. You don't have to send in any money, not even a box stop. And you can't buy them anywhere. But every time that you open a new package of Pep, there's your comic button inside. And is that a thrilling moment? And you get a thrill when Mom sets out a dish of Kellogg's Pep for breakfast, too. Because these toasted hobie flakes are so crisp and golden and so fresh, they make super delicious eating. Pep is called a sunshine cereal, you know. It's full up with a catchy sunshine flavor that just calls for more. So you ask Mom to get you some P-E-P, the sunshine cereal, Kellogg's Pep. And now, the adventures of Superman. Stymied in his efforts to trace the man without a face, whom he knows is plotting to wreck the World Peace Organization, Clark Kent was with a federal investigator when Lois Lane, his fellow Deadly Planet reporter, received an important transatlantic phone call. It was from Herbert Calkins of Scotland Yard, who passed on a tip about a house in Westacres, a suburb of Metropolis. Lois left at once to investigate, accompanied by young Bucky Taylor, whose late father had first learned of the plot against the World Peace Organization. But as Lois and Bucky entered the dark grounds, closed in by tall, thick hedges which surround the mysterious house in Westacres, a low alarm sounded inside, where the man without a face sat with his henchmen. As we continue now, unaware that their presence on the grounds is known, 
Lois and Bucky moved softly across the dark lawn toward the house. Listen. Bucky's lame. Do you think the man without a face is in that house? Your guess is as good as mine, Bucky. All I know is that Mr. Parkins said he picked up a tip in Europe which led to this house and... Wait a minute. Hold it, Bucky. What's the matter? I thought I heard something. I don't hear anything. No, I don't either now. Well, maybe it was just a, a chat or something. I hope that's all it was. Oh, Bucky, I think you ought to go back to the street and wait for me. What? And leave you out here alone? Nothing doing, Miss Lane. Oh, well, come on. But for heaven's sake, be careful. Oh, don't worry about me. I am worried about you. It's too late to do anything about that now. Be quiet now. Here's the window. Okay. Can you see into the room? Yes. There's a man. He... <gasps> What's the matter, Miss Lane? He... Look, Bucky. It's... Holy smokes. A man without a face. He is here. Yes. How awful. Oh, golly, what do we do now? Get out of here as fast as you can. Call the police. Come on, hurry. Here they are. Still alive, eh, Bucky? Isn't that pretty obvious, Mr. No-Face? I can't understand it. How did you get away from the castle in France? Very simple. I drank all the water you let into the room to drown me, and then I walked away. You see, nothing to it, Count von Luder. What did you call me? He knows who you are. Quiet, Baxter. Tell me, boy, how did you learn my identity? Don't tell him anything, Bucky. I warn you, Miss Lane, don't interfere. Now, look here, Bucky. You and I have had dealings together before. Therefore, you know it is painful to defy me. So answer me. How did you learn who I am? Bucky, don't. Don't worry, Miss Lane. I warned you, Miss Lane. I'm a call Martin. He would make this boy talk. Yeah, that's what you think. Plenty of your Nazis worked on me before in your rotten concentration camp. They couldn't make me talk then, and you can't make me talk now. Good boy, Bucky. Now, you listen to me, Count Von Luder, or, or Mr. Man Without a Face, or whatever you call yourself. The police are aware of where we are, and they'll be here any minute. So if you're smart, you'll untie Police, you hear, Count? Yes, yes, I hear. But I do not believe her. Because if the police knew we were here, they would have come instead of this newspaper girl and the boy. We're here because... Because... Just because we got the tip first. But we called the police to follow us. Sure, that's right. If you will listen to me, Carl. No, Bergson. There is too much at stake here. The fruits of years of careful planning. I do not intend to be frightened out of my reward by the chatter of a newspaper girl and a boy. But the police... If the police come, we will be warned by the signal device and the gate and hedges and have time to escape by the underground passage. Is that not so? Ah, perhaps, but it will be very risky. I have run worse risks than this, and I am prepared to run any risks in order to accomplish my mission, which is to destroy the World Peace Organization. Gosh, Miss Lane, be quiet. I realize all of that count. I know what I'm doing, Bexon. Now be quiet while I learn from these two what I must know. Hey, well... Now, Miss Lane, I want you to tell me everything you and your newspaper know of me and my, of my plans. How you learned of this house. Everything. That's all you want to know, huh? This guy starts with a $64 question. Your flippant attitude will get you nowhere. Talk. Don't be silly. Add a girl, Miss Lane. Let me call Martin Cow. Never mind, Baxson. I know something of human nature, and I believe I can persuade Miss Lane to speak very quickly this way. Jeepers, he's got a gun. You can wave that gun at me all you want, Count. You misunderstand, Miss Lane. I am not threatening your life. I am aiming this revolver at Bucky Taylor. Oh, well, so what? If you think you can scare me, you've got another guest coming. Now, Miss Lane, I will count to three. If you do not begin speaking, and speaking the truth, before I reach three, I will pull the trigger. Whatever happens to the boy, then, is your responsibility. You... You wouldn't dare. It, it, it's a grandstand play, Miss If Lane. you know even half as much about the man without a face as I think you do, you know I would hesitate no more at shooting Bucky than a crow. 
Are you ready, Miss Lane? I... One. Don't let him get away with this, Miss Lane. Two. Oh, dear, I... This is your last chance to save the boy's life, Miss Lane. Three. No, no, wait a minute. Wait. Don't, Miss Lane. Yes. Yes, I, I'll talk. I thought you would. Oh, no. We don't know just what you're planning to do, Count Von Luder. Except that you intend to wreck the World Peace Organization. <laughs> Lois Lane to save Bucky Taylor's life tells the man without a face the few meager facts she has learned from Clark Kent. Editor Perry White, who has just returned to the Daily Planet to rejoin Kent, is growing worried over the prolonged absence of Lois Lane and Bucky Taylor. Kent is fretting as he nervously paces the floor. Brady on the night desk said Lois and Bucky went out almost two hours ago, Chief, so if they just stepped out for dinner as we thought, they should have been back long ago. I know, Kent. Uh, look, you don't suppose they went to a movie, do you? Oh, no, no. Lois was on pins and needles waiting to hear what the federal man and I found out about the man without a face tonight. She knew we had a lead, which, by the way, didn't work out. Yes, I know. Oh, I suppose they're all right, but... Uh, wait a minute. Where are you going? I, uh, I want to talk to Brady again. Oh, oh Brady. Hey, Brady. Come here a minute, will you, please? Okay, Mr. White. Not that I'm really worried, you understand, Kent. It's just that... Well, uh, frankly, I am worried. A man without a face thought he'd finished Bucky in France. Now, if by any chance he found out that Bucky is still alive... Don't say it, Kent. Don't say it. Don't play, Mr. White. Well, uh, we're a little worried about Miss Lane and Bucky Taylor, so... Oh, you don't have to worry about Miss Lane. She knows her way around. Yeah, sure. Uh, But tell me, you didn't happen to hear her say where she was going, did you? Well, no, I didn't. All I know is that she and the Taylor kid lit out of here awful fast. (sighs) Not much help there, Chief. No. Well, thanks very much, Brady. You're welcome, Chief. Don't it. I am worried, Kent. Now, where... Wait a minute, Chief. Hello, Kent speaking. Call from London. Well, yes, of course I'll take it. Who's calling you from London? I don't know. Hello? Yes, this is Clark Kent. Herbert Corkin. Corkin. Oh, how are you, Hawkshaw? Is that the Scotland uh, Yes, it is. Uh, who, who was supposed to call you back? I was. Miss Lane? Say, wait a minute. What in the... What one? is it, Kent? Just a minute, Chief. What's that? What house? Where? Well, I'll be... So that's where Lois went. What about Lois? Give me that number again, Corkins, will you? Oh, never mind. Just give me the number, please. 233 Mulberry Drive... West Acres. Fine, I'll get right out there. Yes, I'll call you back. Right, so long. Well, what did Calkins want? Uh, what about Lois and Mulberry Drive? That's where Lois must have gone with Bucky. And unless I'm very much mistaken, they're in trouble. Racing across the almost deserted city room, Clark Kent stops in the storeroom and feels off his business suit. Then, garbed in blue costume and red cape of Superman, he throws open a window. Up, up, and away! <laughs> high into the starry sky, Superman rockets away toward the house in West Acres, where we last saw Lois Lane and Bucky Taylor as prisoners of the man without a face. What will Superman discover at the house? Learning that Lois Lane and young Bucky Taylor had gone to investigate a mysterious house in West Acres, Superman has streaked from the Daily Planet, and as we join him now, he has just plumped to earth before the half-timbered English type house, which stands in the center of dark lawns, hemmed in by tall, thick hedges. Well, here's the house. Now to see if I... Uh Uh-oh, there's nobody here. Not a soul. That means if Lois and Bucky were here, they've been taken away. But where? Now what do I do? Perplexed and uneasy, Superman stands before the dark house, his X-ray vision stabbing through wood and stone to explore every inch of it, only to find it empty, deserted, with no sign of Lois Lane and young Bucky Taylor. What has happened to Lois and Bucky, whom we last saw in the hands of the sinister man without a face? As we know, the man without a face has chosen this very night to strike against the World Peace Organization. So what will happen? You won't want to miss a minute of tomorrow's exciting, thrill-packed episode, fellows and girls. 
when Superman really goes into action. So be sure to be with us tomorrow. Same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. Subscription box, yeah, with exclusive loot. On surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, Daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media dot U-S forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Kellogg's F. P-E-P-Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents... The Adventures of Superman. Today, when Superman finds the half-burnt photographs of the two major leaders of world peace... He realizes the malevolent plan of the man without a face and the dire peril immediately confronting all those concerned. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, it's a pretty sure thing, whenever you see several fellows and girls together nowadays, that they're talking about those nifty comic buttons in the new series from Packages of Kellogg's Pet. Maybe they're comparing notes on how many buttons they've collected. Maybe trading duplicates with each other. Probably both. And someone's always sure to hand those pep comic buttons a compliment about how clear the colors are, or the sharp outlines of the pictures, or the gleaming white background, or how real those funny paper characters look. Old favorites like Goofy and Beezy, or uh, the Little Moose, or Superman himself. Now, there were 18 different buttons in this new series, so you better get busy. Just ask Mom to get you some Kellogg's Pep. That's right, you don't send in any money, not even a box stop. And you can't buy these prizes anywhere, but you'll find a comic button inside every time you open a package of that gold and toasted, crisp and fresh, super delicious breakfast dish, Kellogg's Pep. And say, here's something else. Pep is called the sunshine cereal. Those good whole wheat flakes give you energy, vitamin B1, 
and that important sunshine vitamin D that you need so much to help grow strong bones and teeth. Yes, sir, gang, Mom's glad to see you eat lots of P.E.P., the sunshine cereal, Kellogg's Pep. And now, the adventures of Superman. Following a tip given her via transoceanic telephone by Herbert Calkins, a Scotland Yard detective, Lois Lane, reporter for the Daily Planet, took young Bucky Taylor with her to investigate a house in a metropolis suburb. They had just discovered that the house was occupied by the man without a face, an individual who was known to be planning to destroy the World Peace Organization when they were surprised and captured by henchmen of the mysterious plotter. A short time later at the Daily Planet, Clark Kent picked up Lois's trail, and as Superman, he streaked through the suburban house. But he arrived too late and found the place dark and deserted. As we continue now, Superman is just completing a thorough search of the house when the doorbell rings. Listen. Uh-oh, that's Perry White. Better get back in the Clark Kent's clothes in a hurry. Are you there? Come in, Chief. Hurry up. Hurry up. All right, come in, Chief. Oh, where's Lois? Where's Bucky Taylor? I don't know. You don't... You mean they're not here? Right. House was empty when I arrived. Great Caesar, then where are they? I don't know, but I'll tell they you. They ran into trouble, I'm sure. No, no, wait a minute, Chief. Oh, well, then, don't just stand there, Kent. Well, now, look. This is the headquarters of the man without a face, and if he's got the boy now, and... and Lois, slow down for a second. We're not going to find him when you waste time popping your buttons. Now, pull yourself together and listen to me. All right, all right, but but where are the police, eh? I that worked for Inspector Henderson, and well, I thought he'd be here by now. probably be along soon, but we can't wait for it. Now, listen, Chief. I'm pretty sure this was the headquarters for the man without a face. It was, eh? Uh-huh. Well, Calkin said he wasn't sure. Well, what makes you so certain? Come over to the fireplace. I want to show you something. Okay. Now, what is it? Look. A lot of papers have been burned here. See? Yeah. It must have been a rush job. Because a large envelope hadn't been properly pushed into the fire. And I managed to rescue it before all the contents were burnt. Well, well what was in it? Here, wait a minute. Here it is. Take a look at these, Chief. Hmm. Photographs. A heap of them. Right. Recognize the subjects? Well, let's see. They look familiar, but... I don't quite place them. Well, this one's Luigo Renassi, and the other is Salim Shah. Hey, that's right. The delegates to the World Peace Organization. Exactly. Also, they're the two men whose names Bucky Taylor's father mentioned to the boy just before he died. When he started to tell Bucky about the man without a face's plot against the peace organization. Yes, I remember, but... Now, notice how many photographs there are of each man, Chief. Dozens of them. Uh-huh. Taken from all angles. Some taken on the street, some going in and out of stores, uh-huh. speaking at the peace conference, and so on. Now, that indicates that for some reason... Somebody must have been following Renasi and Salim Shah with a candid camera. So what? What are you getting at, Kent? Just that now I'm surer than ever before that these two delegates, Renasi and Salim Shah, are the keys to the plot against the World Peace Organization. Oh, nonsense. Renasi and Salim Shah are two of the foremost leaders of the World Peace Movement. I know. I know that. Everybody knows that. Well, they wouldn't be involved in any plot to wreck the organization. Very true. But they said... Oh, then stop wasting time. Look, look, I've gone over this house with a fine-toothed comb as carefully as possible. And there isn't a single clue to Lopez and Bucky or to the man without a face to be found. Except these photographs. What do you mean by except these photographs? They're no clue. Oh, they certainly are. They're our only clue, Chief. Well, how do you figure that? Look, I'm convinced that Luigo Renassi and Salim Shah are the keys to the plot engineered by the man without a face. And that they, and only they, can lead us to Lois and Bucky. So, help me, Kent, I, I think you've lost your mind. Why? Well, you just admitted that Renassi and Salim Shah couldn't possibly be mixed up with a scoundrel like the man without a face. Right. That is not to their knowledge. Oh. But perhaps without their knowledge. Well, what kind of double talk is that? Now, look, I've got an idea, Chief. It's a pretty wild one, I'll admit. But if it works out, we'll find Lois and Bucky. Come on. Where? To the Federal Investigation Offices. As Clark Kent and Barry White leave for the Federal Investigation Offices, the man without a face who, as we know, is really Count Von Luder, 
is with his two middle-aged, distinguished-looking henchmen, Bergson and Milch, in a magnificent house on a huge estate, only a few miles from the house they so recently departed. This is a fine place, an excellently secluded count. Who owns it? An American friend of mine. One of the men who are supporting my efforts to wreck the World Peace Organization. Oh, I see. Tell us, Count, are you planning then to go through with our plan at once? Of course, Milch. Everything is ready. There is no time to lose. But the police know now that you are Count Van Luda. Yeah, and they traced us to the house in West Acres. They may soon even trace us here. Not until it is too late, Bergson, I assure you. But how can you be certain? They must even now be searching for Miss Lane and Bucky Taylor. Should they discover a clue to us... Don't worry. I was careful to leave no clues behind. And do not be concerned about Miss Lane and Bucky Taylor. They will be discovered eventually. But it will be too late. You mean they are to be done away with, Count? They will be put out of the way tonight. Together with the real Renassi and Salim Shah. Tonight? Yes, tonight. At this very moment, Renassi and Salim Shah are attending dinner and reception at the American State Department. When they leave or when they reach their homes, whichever moment is most appropriate, they will be seized quietly by our agents and brought here. Ah, good. They will then be immediately disposed of and masks made of their faces for you, Bergson, and you, Milch, to wear when you attend the assembly of the peace organization tomorrow, as Renassi and Salim Shah. Good. The mask is all I need. For two years, I have studied every mannerism and trick of speech of Salim Shah. We are of a similar stature and age. Listen. Gentlemen of the World Peace Organization, my government has just cabled me alarming news. I am advised that with the full knowledge of certain delegates here, enemy troops have massed on our borders. Furthermore, they are known to be armed with atomic weapons. Therefore, gentlemen, I tell you, the Peace Organization is a failure and a farce. And I have been instructed to withdraw my country's membership. <laughs> Wonderful, Bergson. Thank you. Well done, Bergson. You sounded exactly as Salim Shah. Now, Milch, let me hear you as Renassi. <clears throat> Gentlemen of the World Peace Organization, I, Luigo Renassi, have also received a communication from my government advising me that early this morning, foreign planes appeared over our capital and dropped atomic rocket bombs. Here, here! Delegates of the offending nation sit here today in full knowledge of that fact but they have kept slyly silent. Therefore, gentlemen, my government not only withdraws from the World Peace Organization, but authorizes me to announce a declaration of war upon the two offending nations. Wonderful, Milch. With a mask of Renassi, you won't fool his own mother. Thank you, Count. <laughs> Our speeches will be bombshells in the organization assembly, eh, Count? Yes, the delegates will be at each other's throats. Then will follow other declarations of war, and the World Peace Organization will be split asunder. And a general war will follow. That is my fond hope. Then, while the other nations destroy each other, Germany will rise again. Exactly. Ah, it is midnight. Our time is at hand, gentlemen. Tonight, in a short while, we strike. Tonight, said the man without a face, he and his agents will strike. What will happen? As our story continues now, Clark Kent and Editor Perry White have just left the office of Stuart Morgan, head of the federal investigators assigned to the World Peace Organization, and are riding in a taxi through dark, almost deserted streets. Fortunately, we've got plenty of time, Chief. Morgan says the reception won't be over for an hour. What reception, Kent? The uh, State Department party. Oh. See, both Renassi and Salim Shah are there. I want to be there when it breaks up and they leave. Why? It's just an idea that I'm counting on to lead us to Lois and Bucky Taylor and to the man without a face. I wish I knew what you were driving at. I'm worried, Kent. Oh, relax, Chief. If my hunch works out... Great Scott. What's the matter? Well, that clock on the bank we just passed. It said ten minutes past midnight. Uh, wait till I see my watch. Yeah. Yeah, that's the right time. Well, what about it? What about it? Well, my watch stopped. What? 
That means the reception is over. Well, it's only ten minutes later. Driver, stop this car, quickly. Okay, mister. What's the matter with you, Kent? Plenty. The reception was over ten minutes ago. Renasi and Sally Michal may have left. Well, what if they have? Uh, Kent, wait. Where are you going? Oh, for heaven's sake, Chief. Let go of me, will you? Every second counts. Nothing going. I won't let go until you explain yourself. But look, Chief, Don't buy me got... an argument. Just tell I've me. I've got to get Superman. Superman? Yes. Well, how do you expect to do that? Well, I... I uh... think you're out of your mind. Oh, Chief. Don't you realize I realize that, that second... you're trying to burst me off. And by George, okay, I'm not going to let okay. you know it. you win, Chief. Now, get set for the shock of your life. What did Clark Kent mean when he promised Perry White the shock of his life? Is it possible that due to the urgency of the situation, he has decided at last to reveal his true identity to the gray-haired editor? As we know, Superman is correct in his hunch that Renasi and Salim Shah, the men of peace, are the keys and count on Luther's plot against the World Peace Organization. But now, not only the fate of the peace organization, but of Renasi and Salim Shah and of Lois Lane and Bucky Taylor, rest on the speed and might of Superman. What will happen? Monday's episode tells most of the thrilling story, fellows and girls, so don't miss it. Be sure to tune in again Monday. Same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents... The Adventures of Superman. Superman streaks from one key spot to another for some slim clue. Lois Lane and Bucky Taylor are helpless prisoners of the coldly brutal man without a face. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, I've got an idea of how much fun you fellows and girls get out of reading the comic strips. You wouldn't want to miss them. So it's mighty exciting when your favorite funny paper characters come to life and their pictures on those comic buttons in the new series and packages of Kellogg's Pet. First off, you get a close-up view of your friends. Eighteen different characters in all. Old familiars like uh, Pat Patton and uh, Tess Trueheart and Chief Brandon, Vitamin Flintheart, Judy and Carkey, and Superman, of course. And the pictures are done up in full bright colors, too. So they really show off when you wear your pep comic buttons on your jacket or your dress or beanie cap. Yes, sir, collecting pep comic buttons is the sort of fun that lasts a long, long time. And you're always looking forward to getting a new button whenever Mom opens a new package of pep. That's the only way you can get these swell prizes, you know. You can't buy them anywhere, and you don't send in any money, not even a box stop. But you get a comic button in every package of Kellogg's Pep you open. And do you get a load of super delicious eating? Why, your breakfast bowl full of those golden whole wheat flakes tastes a doggone sunny and toasty and crisp. Why, you just showed me a fellow a girl who can resist it. Remember, gang, ask Mom to get you lots of P-E-P, the sunshine cereal, Kellogg's Pep. (laughs) 
the adventures of Superman. Certain that Lois Lane and young Bucky Taylor are prisoners of the man without a face, a mysterious person who is about to launch a mysterious death blow at the World Peace Organization, Clark Kent searched the former headquarters of the International Plotter. There, he found many photographs of Luigo Rinasi and Salim Shah, two of the leaders in the World Peace Movement. And with editor Perry White, Kent started for the State Department, where the two men were guests at a reception that was scheduled to be over at midnight. En route, Kent discovered that his watch had stopped, and that it actually was past midnight. Ordering the taxi driver to stop, Kent leaped to the street, planning to streak the rest of the way as Superman. But White, fearing Kent had momentarily taken leave of his senses, followed him. And as our story continues now, White is clinging to Kent's unwilling arm. Listen. For heaven's sake, let go of me, Chief. Every second counts. No, I won't let go until you explain yourself. You said you were going to get Superman. Well, I am. Now, please go back to the planet. No, wait, your mind, Kent. But How I... do you expect to find Superman? I... Oh, what's the use? Chief, get set for the shock of your life. Huh? Well, what do you mean? Forgive me, I hate to do this, but it can't be helped. Oh, poor guy. That really did hurt me more than it did him. Well, I'll just set him back in this cab. He'll come to in a few moments and be sore as a boil. Uh, take this man to the Daily Planet, driver. Okay. Now to duck into this alley and out of these clothes. Only Renasi and Salim Shah haven't left the State Department yet, because I'm sure I can only find Lois and Bucky through them. Here we are. All set for a Superman job. Up and away! Well, there's the State Department building, and it's dark. Down to that police officer. Down! Pardon me, officer. Jump into the horse, but it's Superman. Yes, I'm sorry to start you, but I see the reception at the State Department is over. Can you tell me when it broke up? Well, let me see now. About 11.30, I'd say. That's three quarters of an hour ago. Now, tell me, uh, did you happen to notice two of the delegates, Luigo Renassi and Salim Shah, in the crowd that left? I'm sorry, Superman, but I'm afraid I wouldn't know the gentleman you mentioned. You wouldn't, eh? But if they were here, why, then they must have left with the others. Well, I guess you're right. Well, the only thing left to do now is to check at their homes and hope they got there safely. All right, thank you, officer. You're welcome. Up and away! My name is Clark Kent. Uh, doesn't Luigo Renasi, the World Peace Delegate, live in this hotel? Yes, he does, Mr. Kent. Good. Uh, can you tell me if he's come in yet tonight? Fine. No, he hasn't. Are you sure? Positive. A telegram just came for him when we tried his room. Also, his key is still in the box. Uh-oh. This hotel is more than ten minutes from the State Department, and Renasi left almost an hour ago. I beg your pardon? Huh? Oh, n- nothing, nothing. Thanks very much. Well, I don't like this. Hope I'll have better luck at selling Shah's apartment. Shaw hasn't returned from the reception yet? No, Mr. Kent, he hasn't. Mm, do you know if he expected to come straight home? Oh, yes, sir. The master always returns home immediately from any function. I see. Taxi would have had him here over half an hour ago. Beg pardon, Mr. Kent? Hmm? Oh, no, nothing. Thanks very much. Goodbye. <laughs> Out of these clothes again. I'll just check the roads between the State Department and here for Renasi and Salim Shaw. With both of them unaccounted for. This looks like a real job for Superman. There we are, all set. Now, up and away! Leaping high into the night sky, Superman streaks back over the road to the State Department. Then doubles back and rages over all streets and roads between the State Department, the Nazi's hotel, and Salim Shah's apartment. 
people except for an occasional cruising taxi cab or a home-going car. The streets are deserted. Beginning to like this less and less. Now my hunch says more definitely than ever that unless I find Renasi and Salim Shah, I won't find Lois or Bucky Taylor either. Until it's too late. I must find them. Away! Widening his range, the man of steel swoops in great circles over the dark northwest portion of the city, his keen eyes searching, probing below. Then farther he ranges, out over the city limits, and beyond to dark suburbs and open country. Like some great eagle, he flashes high to the sky and views the country below for miles away, then streaks downward to hunt above streets and houses and fields. Meanwhile, in a room of the large house now occupied by the man without a face and his henchmen, Lois Lane and young Bucky Taylor, their arms wired behind their backs, their ankles likewise bound with wire, have managed to drag themselves to a kneeling position before a window. Four stories below, they can see the moonlit driveway, which sweeps up to the massive house through acres of dark spreading lawns and terraced gardens, backed by groves of woodland. Bucky breaks the momentary silence. I'd like to see a couple of police cars roll up that driveway, Miss Lane. While you're dreaming, Bucky, why not wish for Superman to show up? Yeah, wouldn't that be swell? He'd take care of Mr. Man without a face and those other characters downstairs in short order. <sighs> he certainly would. The only trouble is he doesn't know where we are or the fix we're in. And neither do the police. Oh, gosh, Miss Lane, what are we going to do? I hate to say it, Bucky, but... Yeah, I know we can't do anything. Well, you heard the... The man without a face tell those others downstairs that his agents are going to grab Luigo Renati and Salim Shaw when they leave the reception at the State Department tonight and bring them here. And then they and, and, and we are... Yeah, I know. Oh, gosh, it just doesn't add up. I dodged the Nazis all over Europe for two years and then I come to America and they get me. Well, the man without a face isn't working only for the Nazis, Bucky. Selfish interests all over the world are paying him to wreck the World Peace Organization. Oh, the dopes. Don't they know if there's another war with atomic weapons, they'll be wiped out, too? Some people are like ostriches, Bucky. They bury their heads in the sand, and they won't see what's going on beyond their noses. Or their pocketbooks. Yes, and we have to pay for it. Oh, gosh, Miss Lane, if there were only some way we could let Mr. Kent and the police and everybody else know what's going on here. Yes, if, but we can't. Oh, if I could only get these wires off my hands. Oh, oh, they... Oh, they cut into my skin. Oh, it wouldn't do much good if we could get them up. We can't jump four stories to the ground, and that gang is all over the house. I know. Look, Bucky. A car is coming up the drive. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh, I hope it's not... It's stopping. We'll find out in a minute. Four men are getting out. Can you see who... Look, two of the men have guns. Yes, and wait. I can see the other two now. Are they... Yes, they're Luigi Renati and Salim Shaw. Holy smokes. The man without a face has got them. Oh, Bucky... Their hearts hammering, Lois Lane and Bucky Taylor look below to where Luigo Renasi and Salim Shah, the two men of peace, are being led from the car to the house by their armed captors. What will happen now? Imprisoned in a house occupied by the man without a face, their hands and ankles bound with wire, Lois Lane and Bucky Taylor have just seen a car drive up from which armed men took Luigo Renasi and Salim Shah, leaders in the world peace movement. The man without a face was waiting for, Bucky. Renazi and Salim Shaw will be killed now, and and so will we. I know, Miss Lane. We've got to do something. We we just can't wait here like like lambs. Oh, what can we do? I don't know, but there must be some way. Wait a minute, Bucky. I've got it. What do you mean? That silver cigarette lighter on the coffee table. What about it? I can just reach it with my hands. Oh, darn, I missed it. There, I've got it. Well, what are you going to do with this? Start a fire, Bucky. A what? Fire. The window drapes will burn fast, and there's wood paneling on the wall. Oh, but, but... Look out. Now I'm going to roll over to the drapes. Well, wait. You don't know what you're doing, Miss Lane. You'll burn us up. Maybe not. We're on the top floor, and a big blaze might have attracted attention. 
and bring the big one here. Oh, but, oh, but gee whiz, Miss Lane. Now the drapes hang down to the floor. That's one break. If I can just work this lighter. Oh, dear, it won't light. But, gee, Miss Lane, I don't think Would we should... you rather just wait here for the man without a face to finish us and Renati and Solomon Shah and the peace organization, too? Well, well, no, there. but... It's it. Roll away, Miss Lane. The drapes caught. Yes. Now, if only somebody sees the fire, it's our only chance, Bucky. Our only chance. Throwing herself away, Lois Lane sees the long drapes smolder and leap into fire. And with the wide-eyed Bucky Taylor, watches the flames leap hungrily toward the wood paneling on the walls. What will happen? Will the girl reporter's daring attempt to save the life of herself and her young companion and of the men of peace succeed? Or has she only hastened their doom? Superman, as we know, is searching desperately for his friends. So don't fail to join him and Lois and Bucky tomorrow. Same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P-Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents... The Adventures of Superman. Superman zooms to the rescue and not only saves the lives of his friends, but corrals the black-hearted gang who threatened the very principles of world peace. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, have you noticed how true to life the pictures of your favorite comic strip characters are in that new series of comic buttons that you're all collecting from packages of Kellogg's Pep? Why, they look so real they can speak. There's Goofy, you know, with his old slouch hat and that silly grin of his. And there's a Tess Trueheart, just as pretty as she is in the funny papers. And Superman with his red cape flying in the wind. Yes, sir, these pep comic buttons are mighty smart looking. They show up swell when you wear them on your jacket or your dresser cap. And you'll want the fun of collecting all 18 in this new series and trading duplicates with your pals. So remind Mom to keep you supplied with plenty of Kellogg's Pep, because that's the only way you can get these exciting prizes. You don't send in any money, not even a box stop, and you can't buy them anywhere. But there's a comic button inside every package of Pep. That's Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Pep, the good whole wheat flakes with that extra vitamin B1 to help keep up your energy for the day, and sunshine vitamin D to help build strong bones and teeth. Yep, Mom knows Pep is good for you, and everybody knows how good it tastes at breakfast. So ask Mom for lots of P-E-P, the sunshine cereal, Kellogg's Pep. And now the adventures of Superman. As you remember, Superman is searching desperately for Lois Lane and young Bucky Taylor, while the girl reporter and Bucky make a daring attempt to escape from the man without a face and to save the lives of two leaders of the World Peace Organization. Although bound hand and foot, 
Lois managed to set fire to the room in which she and Bucky were imprisoned, hoping the blaze would attract attention and bring aid. And as we continue now, in a downstairs room of the mansion, which is secluded on a huge estate, the man without a face is giving final instructions to a henchman named Bergson. Listen. Two delegates, Renasi and Salim Shah, to be done away with at once. And masks are to be made of their faces. You understand, Bergson? I understand, Count. And tomorrow, when you and Milch attend the Peace Organization Assembly, wearing the masks of Renasi and Salim Shah, the cleverest federal investigator will never suspect your true identities. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. Go now and attend to the men of peace. We have no time to lose. One moment. What about the newspaper reporter, Miss Lane, and the boy, Bucky Taylor? I shall attend to them myself at once. Good. I have an old score to settle with young Taylor, and I... Wait. What's that? What? I smell smoke. Yeah, so do I. Come with me, Bagson. Look! The hall is full of smoke. It's coming from upstairs. Grab that fire extinguisher on the wall and follow me. Fire is out, Count. <coughs> Good. So, Miss Lane, you set this room on fire, hoping to attract outside attention, eh? Yes. I thought it was a good idea at the time. It looks as if I was wrong, though. You were very wrong. Whoever attempts to interfere with me makes a mistake. Hitler said something like that. Look what happened to him. Come, Count, we waste time. You said yourself there was much to do yet tonight. That is true, Bexham. Give me your revolver. Here it is. Oh. Now, Miss Lane, you and that stupid boy there, Bucky Taylor, will die for this. Now, Mr. Man Without a Face, let's make you the man without a gun. Kill you first. You'll never kill anyone again, Count Von Luder. It's not in his Try these it's sleeping pills, boys. Oh, oh Superman, you got here just in time. He was going... Yeah, yes, I know, Miss Lane, I know. Say, what's the matter with Bucky? He was overcome by the smoke, oh. poor kid. Well, I'll get these wires off both of you and then get you outside. Oh, wait a minute. I forgot. What? Renazzi and Salim Shah are downstairs. The, the man without a face captured them and oh, he... Don't worry about them. Everything's under control now. There. You and Bucky are free. Now, up with both of you. I'll take you outside and then clean house. Up and away! <laughs> without a face was going to finish Renasi and Salim Shah and make masks of their faces. And then tomorrow, two former German Gestapo men who've been training for years to impersonate them were going to appear in the World Peace Assembly wearing masks of the two real delegates and make a series of false charges that would just split the organization. Great Caesar. It was a clever scheme that would surely bring on another war. It certainly was, Clever Clark, and it would have worked if not for Superman. Thanks, Lois. He... What? Hmm? What did you say? Me? Yes. Oh, uh, well, I mean, thanks to Superman, the man without a face and his gang are now behind bars. Yes. Yes. And uh, Bucky Taylor is safe at last. Poor kid, he went through an awful lot. Yes, he certainly did. Yeah, he's a fine boy, and I'll make it up to him. Well, I'm Good sure you for will, you. Chief. All right, now let's stop gapping and get to work. I'm holding the first page for your story, Lois. Three full columns, and give it the works. Will I? What a scoop this is, and it's all my own. And now, Kent, I've got a special assignment for you. Oh, good. What is it, Chief? Well, as you know, Superman has been a tremendous force in combating intolerance and bigotry. A tremendous force. Thanks, Chief. Thanks for what? Huh? Oh, uh, uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for the for, for the memory. Huh? It's the name of a song. <laughs> no, honestly, Kent, sometimes I think that you're... Oh, never mind. Now, as I was saying, in honor of Superman, I'm going to devote all of next Sunday's magazine section to the story of one of his most exciting adventures. Uh-huh. And I want you to write it. Hey, that's a tall order, Chief. Tall or short, I want it done. Dig back into the files. Select what you think is the most interesting Superman story and have it on my desk by Thursday morning. Now, let's see. 
Superman's most exciting adventure, hmm? Well, here's the account of the Battle of the Atom Man. That was plenty unusual. And here's the story of the lost civilization. No, no, that's too long. Oh, say, wait, I know the one. Now, let's see, it should be in this bound volume. Oh, here it's somewhere. Yes, yes, here it is. Sure, that's the story, all right. If any adventure could have been more unusual, more interesting, and more exciting, it hasn't happened yet. What is the Superman adventure Clark Kent has chosen as the most unusual and most interesting in his entire career? If you've been listening to the adventures of Superman long enough, you should be able to guess. Signed by Perry White to write a feature story about Superman's most unusual and most exciting adventure... Clark Kent has gone through the Daily Planet newspaper files and chosen what he believes to be the outstanding Superman story. We join him now as he is seated at his desk, thinking about it. Yes, I remember it all now. Chief and Lois and I were out at the time. As Jimmy Olsen told me later, he was sitting at the desk here in my office when suddenly Beanie, the office boy, came in. Hey, Jim, there's a goofy guy outside. He says he wants to talk to Superman. Superman? Yeah, how do you like that? Well, what'd you tell him? What could I tell him? How do I know where Superman is? Do you? No, Well, anyway, I told him everybody in the editorial department was out except you. So he says he'll talk to you. What does he want? Don't ask me. Looks like a fugitive from a nut factory. He's wearing shorts and sandals, and he keeps eating some kind of red beans or pills out of a bag. What? Says if he don't eat them, he can't keep his feet on the ground. He says he'll float up in the air. He's a character. Oh, you're crazy. I'm crazy. How do you like that? Wait a minute. I'll call him in. This way, mister. Ah, you'll see for yourself. Uh, this is Mr. James Olsen, one of our uh, reporters. The pleasure is mine. Huh? Oh, yeah, but come in. A scrambling. I Should I close the door? Yeah, from the outside. Okay. Now, uh... They call me Antha. Antha? Yes. I have come here to... Would you mind if I sat in this chair... No, go right ahead. My thanks to you. If I grip the arms of the chair with my hands, I am less likely to float up. Float? In the air? Yes. You see, the gravity of the Earth is so far different from that of Utopia. Wait a minute. What's it different from? Utopia, the planet from whence I came. And until I can adjust myself to the Earth's gravity by means of these specific gravity beams which I swallow at intervals... it is advisable for me to cling to some heavy object such as this chair. Oh, yeah? Perhaps you will permit me to prove that what I say is true and factual. Look at me, my friend. Okay, I'm looking. What would you say is my weight? Well, you're about average size, a little on the skinny side. I'd say about 165. Your estimate is quite close. My weight is actually 10 utopian grams. That is equal to 163 earth pounds. Now, my friend... Do you believe you could lift 163 pounds with one hand? Are you kidding? I couldn't do it with two hands. Would you rise, please? Come around the desk and grip my arm. What for? Have no fear. No harm will come to you. It is simply an experiment to prove that I speak the truth. I will show you how, due to the difference in gravity between your Earth and my planet, you can lift me high in the air with one hand. <laughs> This I gotta see. Very good. Now, grip my arm. Like this? Oh, that is fine. Now, lift me up. Lift you up? Yes, do not strain. Nearly lift. As if I were that pencil on the desk. Are you kidding? Try it, my friend. Lift me. Okay, but this sure is the crazy... The lizards. I am lifting you. And... And you're light as a feather. <laughs> Oh, 
Thunderstruck, Jimmy Olsen's eyes popped as he stared in dazed bewilderment at the full-grown man he was holding high in the air as easily as he would hold his hat. Unable to believe his eyes and momentarily struck dumb, Jimmy could only gasp like a fish out of water. Who is this strange creature who wears shorts and sandals, who calls himself Anthar, and who claims to come from an unknown planet, Utopia? Fellows and girls, Clark Kent has chosen this curious adventure as one of Superman's most unusual and most exciting. And Clark Kent should know. So don't miss a single thrill-packed episode. Tune in tomorrow, same time, same station, for episode two of The Mystery of the Lost Planet in The Adventures of Superman. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's pet. P-E-P-Pep Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal presents The Adventures of Superman Today, Clark Kent, continuing to relate the story of his strangest experience as Superman tells how the amused skepticism of Jim Olsen led the Man of Steel into adventures in space. Hello there, gang. This is your pal, Dan McCullough. Say, here's a bit of good advice. How about making it a point to hang around when Mom is making out her grocery list so that you can be sure that she remembers to put down some Kellogg's Pet? 
Sure, you like to eat lots of this sunny golden toasted cereal, and you want to collect more of those comic buttons in the new series that Pep is putting out. Mm-mm, they're honeys, aren't they? The colors are so bright and clear, they look mighty smart pinned on your jacket or your dresser cap, and the pictures of your funny paper characters are sure true to life. Why, Spud and, and Cindy and the Little Moose and Superman look so real they could talk. And don't forget how easy it is to collect all 18 pet comic buttons in this new series. You don't have to send in any money, not even a box stop, and you can't buy them anywhere. But every time that Mom opens a new package of Kellogg's Pet, there's your comic button inside. And Mom's always tickled to see you eat lots of Pep, too, because it gives you extra amounts of an energy vitamin, B1, plus the sunshine vitamin, vitamin D. Not to mention the fact that you like Pep for its catchy sunshine flavor. Yes, sir, Pep's the prize when it comes to crisp, fresh, flavory eating at breakfast. So ask Mom to get P-E-P, the sunshine cereal, Kellogg's Pep. And now, the adventures of Superman. Assigned by my editor, Perry White, to do a special feature on what, in my opinion, was Superman's strangest and most unusual adventure, I, as Clark Kent, recalled a story that began one day shortly after dusk, when I and all the other members of the Daily Planet editorial staff were out. At that time, as I learned later, a tall, middle-aged man wearing shorts and sandals was ushered into my office, where he found Jimmy Olsen alone. Calling himself Anthar, the man said he had come from another planet, a place called Utopia, in search of Superman. But Jimmy, believing he was the victim of a practical joke, scoffed at the man, who then offered to make a test to prove he was speaking the truth. Please take hold of my arm, young man, and lift me up. Lift you up? Exactly. Simply grasp my arm and lift, as you would if you were holding a stick. I still think this is a gag. But if you insist, here goes. Warily approaching the stranger, Jim grasped him firmly by the arm and lifted. And to his shocked amazement, he found himself holding the 163-pound man aloft with as little effort as it would require for me as Superman to lift a chair. What? Holy mackerel, I, I am lifting you up. Like a feather. Of course you are. Now move me about, up and down, and from side to side. That's it. Do not be afraid. I I can't believe it. You're a full-grown man. I better put you down. I'm shaking all over. Just set me in that chair, please, to which I can hold. You see, I have not yet adjusted myself to the different gravity of your planet. Give me that again. The pull of specific gravity on my own planet, Utopia, is much stronger than yours on Earth, you see. Oh, Forgive me while I swallow two of these beans. They affect the necessary adjustment of my body to Earth's gravity. The, the beans do that? Yes. They are specific gravity beans, especially prepared by our utopian scientists for the adjustment of our people to the gravity of your planet. There. Look, uh, how long do you have to eat those uh, specific gravity beans before you're adjusted? About 6,000 laps revolutions. Huh? On Utopia, we measure time differently than you do here since our planet is smaller and revolves around the sun at a slower rate of speed than does Earth. 6,000 laps revolutions is equal to about one of your hours. Oh, well, look, Anthar... Great uh... space! I have forgotten how time is fleeting. I have already been out of for 2,000 laps revolutions, and I must depart in just 4,000 more. 6,000 in an hour. That means you have to leave in 40 minutes, huh? Yes, indeed. Why? Else we must wait another full cycle of the solar period, and that would be most dangerous for us. Us? Yes, Poco and I, we must... Who's Poco? My companion. Now, please, friend James... You mean there's another guy from Utopia here? Yes, I will explain later if there's time. Now, friend James, that I have convinced you I am from Utopia, will you please summon Superman? Now, look, Anthar, I admit you had me buffaloed for a minute there when I lifted you up. 
I don't know how you did the trick, but I certainly... Trick? You still think, then, that I seek to trick you? Oh, well, gee whiz, all this stuff about a, a planet named Utopia and gravity beams and lapse revolution... I speak the truth. I have told you that your world is in terrible danger, and yet you dare to waste the precious fleeting strokes of time doubting me. Well, well golly... Do you dare to accept the responsibility for making a decision of choosing to do nothing while the means for the enslavement of your world are being prepared? The enslavement of the whole world? Exactly. And unless you heed me now, that enslavement is not far off. Oh, now, quit your kidding. Hitler had ideas like that, and where to get him? Compared to Saddam, my young friend, Hitler was only a blustering madman. Compared to whom? Saddam, the cruel and vicious one who has risen to great power as regent of Utopia by playing upon the panic of our people. And again I warn you that unless you heed me, Saddam will be regent of your entire world before long. <laughs> Excuse me for laughing, but that's really funny. And still you mock me, foolish friend. What must I do to convince you that Zaram must and will take over your planet before the cycle of this year has run out? Tell me why Zaram has to attack and take us over before the end of the year. Because at the end of this cycle year, there will be no more planet Utopia. What? Yes. For the last 700 years, at approximately each turn of a century, a fragment of Utopia has been ripped away into space. And from a planet once almost half the size of Earth, we have been reduced to a territory... Not much larger than your own state of Vermont. Gee whiz, you must find it kind of crowded. Indeed we do. And what is much more serious is that another disaster, and our final one, is due to occur within a day or two of the 25th of next month. At that time, our scientists assure us the last remaining fragment of Utopia will be torn from its orbit and shattered to pieces in space. Uh-oh. And so Zeram counseled our people to invade and conquer the Earth. Oh, I get it. So you came here to get Superman to stop him, huh? Yes. And knowing this now, won't you please summon Superman before it is too late? Gee whiz, Anthar, I don't know how to get him, honest. Sometimes when we need him badly, well, there he is. I don't know where he comes from or where he goes. Then where can we find Mr. White or Mr. Kent or Miss Lane? Well, Miss Lane is away, and Mr. White and Mr. Kent are in an important conference. They can't be disturbed. They must be disturbed. This is a matter of the security of the whole world. Oh, look, Anthar, I like you. I think maybe you're a little balmy, but... Balmy? Well, the point is Mr. White and Mr. Kent would laugh at you if you told them the belong... I mean, the story you just told me. They would laugh? Oh, sure. Who wouldn't? I see. And there is only one thing left to do. Convince you beyond the shadow of a doubt, so that you in time can convince them. How are you going to do that? I will take you back with me to Utopia. Take me back? <laughs> now look, Anthar. Yes, I see that is the only thing to do. Now if you are willing to undergo the risks for the sake of your world... Wait just a minute. Will I answer the phone? Hello, Holton speaking. Hello, Jim. This is Clark Kent. How are you getting along? Oh, oh fine, Mr. Kent. Just Andy. But that is Mr. Kent. Perhaps if you allow oh, me to... No, speak no, to that him. won't do any good, Anthar. What did you say, Jim? Oh, I, I was speaking to Anthar, Mr. Kent. Oh, to whom? A guy named Anthar. Anthar? A, well, a kind of magician who stopped in and... No, A please. magician? Uh, yeah, and, and can he do a swell trick? Oh, Jim. Yeah, let me lift him up in the air as if he were a feather. Not and... the raving, Jim. I only have a minute. Well, I'm not raving. Honest, you ought to see this guy. All right. And hear him. What? Can he tell him? Tell him? Oh, well, that's fine. But look, the chief and I are going to be tied up with Inspector Henderson for a while yet, so you better go on home. Okay. Uh, unless I go to Utopia first. All right, well, go... Where? Utopia. That's another planet. And Anthar wants me to have a look at it so I can tell you and Mr. White and Superman about it. Oh, I wish you'd grow up, Jim. I told you I only had a minute and you sit there kidding. But I'm not kidding. No, I know, I know, I know. All right, you're knitting. Go on home. I'll see you tomorrow. Good night. Good night, Mr. Kent. <laughs> okay, Anthar. I'm ready to go to Utopia with you now. Splendid. Let us go, my friend. Still 
still skeptical, but sufficiently amused to want to play along with what he considered a practical joke, Jim Olsen accepted Ansar's offer to take him to the planet Utopia. What will happen now? Is Jim Olsen really committing himself to be hurtled through space toward a strange and unknown planet? Now, back to Clark Kent's story of Superman's most unusual adventure. Jokingly agreeing to accompany Anthar on a trip back to Utopia, Jim Olsen played along with what he thinks is a huge practical joke. But Anthar, his face grimly serious, admonishes him. Before we leave, friend James, I must warn you that if we are discovered on Utopia by Zaram, you may never return to Earth. Oh, boy, this gets better and better. Well, how do we go? By a rocket ship? I have a space shell which Poco guards now upon the roof of this very building. Oh, swell. Then all we have to do is go up to the roof and... Yes, but we must leave at once, please. You see, there is only a certain lapse revolution during each six of your hours in which we can travel between Earth and Utopia. A moment too soon or too late, and we will miss our destination and be lost forever in eternal space. Okay, I'll take that chance. This way, Anthar, let's go. Still chuckling and thinking only of what an amusing feature story he will write about this funny experience, Jim Olsen led the strange man called Anthar to the stairway that goes up to the roof of the Daily Planet building. But Jim was in for the surprise of his life and many more exciting experiences than he bargained for. Clark Kent isn't fooling when he says that Jim Olsen let himself in for some amazing experiences. So don't fail to be with us again tomorrow when Kent continues his story of Superman's strange adventure on The Lost Planet. Yes, be sure to tune in again tomorrow. Same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, aha. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as low as $11.99 per month, those are facts just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F E N I X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P-Pep. 
Kellogg's Pet, the Sunshine Cereal, presents... The Adventures of Superman! Today, as Clark Kent recounts another episode in Superman's strange adventure on a lost planet, he reveals how Jimmy Olsen learned that Anthar's tale of utopia was not just a joke. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, talk about eye-catchers. Boy, you can't beat that exciting new series of comic buttons from packages of Kellogg's Pet. Why, those bright-colored pictures of your favorite comic strip characters look so nifty, they'll attract anybody's attention. And the pictures are so true to life, well, you'd almost think that they're going to talk. Take Tess Trueheart, for instance, with her red suit and hat and that soft blonde hair of hers, like in the funny papers. And Brenda Starr looks mighty natural, too, with her red hair and that nice smile. And Superman, too. Yes, sir, every single one of those 18 different comic buttons is a real eye-catcher. So you keep working on your collection. You ask Mom to get you some Kellogg's Pet, because that's the only way you can get these exciting prizes, one in every package of Pet. Now, you don't send in any money, not even a box stop, and you can't buy them anywhere. And say, gang, don't forget another reason why you want to keep stocked up on pet. It tastes a doggone sunny and toasted, and it's good for you. Sure, Mom knows that. Kellogg's Pep gives you added amounts of an energy vitamin B1 and good old sunshine vitamin D, plus the goodness of sun-ripened whole wheat itself. Yes, sir, there are lots of reasons why you want lots of P.E.P., the sunshine cereal, Kellogg's Pep. Now, the adventures of Superman. My most unusual adventure as Superman began when, during my absence from the office, Jimmy Olsen interviewed a strange man who called himself Anthar and said he came from the planet Utopia in search of Superman. Anthar told Jim that Utopia was doomed to destruction and that the terrified Utopians were rallied behind a despotic and dangerous regent who was preparing to lead them in an invasion of the world. Then, when Jim laughed at his story and refused to help him locate me, that is, Superman, Anthar urged Jim to accompany him back to Utopia so that he might verify the story in person. Considering it all a joke, Jim agreed to go, and tossing a breezy, I'm off to Utopia, at Beanie Martin, he led the tall, dignified Anthar to the dark roof of the Daily Planet building, where the man from Utopia said he had left his space shell. Well, uh, where's this, uh, planet hopper you were telling me about, Anthar? My space shell rests on this roof, over there behind that radio tower. Okay, lead the way. I'm not kidding, Anthar. You ought to write books or go on the radio. You can really spin a yarn. I see you still doubt the truth of my story. Who, me? Now, where did you ever get an idea like that? I only hope, friend James, that once you are convinced, you will be able to return to Earth alive and enlist the aid of Superman. <laughs> Don't worry about me. Say, what's that? What? Well, that round white thing, like a... Great big ball. It is of course, a... that is a space shell. Cheapers, you have got something up here then. Naturally. Hey, I gotta hand it to you. You really carry a gag all the way through. I don't understand. Now skip it. Say wait. What is it now? Look, there's a little fat man leaning against that big white ball. Yes, of course, that is Poco. Come, let us join oh, him. Oh, not so fast. Who's Poco? The court fool. The what? The king's jester. You see, it is poor Poco's lot on Utopia to play the fool. But he is far from being a fool, and he has a great heart and much courage. He risked his life to make this expedition with me. Oh, the king's jester, huh? Well, now you're back in the groove, Anthar. For a minute there, I don't know why, but you had me a little worried. Now I know it's all a gag. 
Okay, let's go join your funny friend. Listen, what's that? What? It sounds like a lot of little bells. Yes, of course. Poco wears bracelets of tiny silver bells around his wrists and ankles. Come, I will introduce you to him. Oh, boy, this is going to be something. Come on. Hurry, 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 hurry. And are the solar clock races. We must go places. So what kind of talk is that? Poco speaks in rhyme. Yes, Poco, we are leaving now. This is James Olson who returns to Utopia with us. Oh, oh glad to meet you, Mr. Poco. To meet you is a pleasure that is far beyond measure. Oh, thanks. Tell me, Anthar, if you can, is this youngster Superman? <laughs> me, Superman? Well, that's a hot one. No, Poco. It is necessary that we convince this young man first of Zadam's plot against Earth before he will enlist the aid of Superman, for he thinks we jest. I do not see how this can be. You mean he returns with you and me? Gosh, I wish I could talk like that. Yes, Poco. He returns to Utopia with us. Your plan, Anthar, is fraught with danger. Zaram would surely kill this stranger. True, but Zaram must not see him. If Zaram does not see him, then will Zaram spies. You know, they swarm Utopia thick as flies. Oh, boy, you're wonderful, Poco. Yes, I realize the dangerous grave, Poco, but there is no other way. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Anthar, are you here? Yes, yes. What were those gongs? They are the chimes of the solar clock within the space shell. They indicate we have only 300 lapsed revolutions left before we must depart. Only what? That means we have less than three minutes now before we must start the space shell into the heavens if we are to arrive safely on Utopia. Open the hatch, Poco, quickly. Hurry, hurry, worry, worry. Hurry, friend James, into the shell. You know, wait, Anthar, quit pushing me. Quickly, get into the shell. Let me get into that goofy glass ball. Why would... It is not glass. It is the Utopian plastic material. Now hurry, please. Nothing doing. I'm not getting into that thing. You must. It is too late to change your mind. Too late? Now listen, this joke's gone far enough. It is no joke. Poco, start the motors. Yes, yes. Let go of me. I said I'm not going to go... Anthar, here, the clock again. Only seconds now remain. Please hurry, friend James. Do not make me use force. Use force? But I changed my mind. I didn't know you... I said it is too late to change your mind. Now, please, into the space shell. Frightened now and struggling frantically in the powerful grip of Anthar, Jimmy is carried toward the large, gleaming plastic ball, which throbs with a hum of powerful motors. And at this tense moment, three floors below the roof, Editor Perry White and I were just entering the city room of the Daily Planet. What are you going to do now, Kent? Oh, I'll just have a look at my office, Chief, see if anything came up while we were gone, then I'll pick you up for dinner, okay? Okay. Make it snappy. Right. Matt, you lose something, Beanie? Uh, no, I was just looking to see if that guy dropped any of his pills. Who dropped what pills? Well, you see, Mr. Kent, there was a goofy guy in here just before. was just about as old as the big boy. I mean, Mr. White. But he was wearing sandals and a pair of shorts. Who, Mr. White? No, the old guy. Oh. And he kept eating little red pills out of a paper bag. Said if he didn't eat them, he'd just float up in a no place. Beanie, do you feel all right? Honest, Mr. Kent, I'm giving it to you straight. All right, take it easy. This please. old guy walks in here not more than half an hour ago, see? And he asks me for Superman, see? For Superman? Uh-huh. Nobody else but... So when I tell him Superman doesn't uh, doesn't just happen to be around at the moment, he asks for the editor. Uh-huh. And when I say Mr. White isn't here either, he asks for you. For me? Yeah. And then when he finally gets it straight that none of the staff is here except Jim, he says, okay, we'll talk to Jim. I see. You should have heard the song and dance it gave him, all about how he comes from another planet or something. Boy, was he good. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember now that Jim said something about a queer character being in the office when I phoned a little while ago. Uh, by the way, where is Jim? I don't know. He went out with the old geezer. Well, where'd he go? Search me. 
He didn't say where he was going? Uh Uh-uh. Except this will kill you. He said he was going to Utopia. Oh, yes. Yes, he told me that, too. But what I want to know is... That was the name of the planet the old Goofus bird said he came from. Oh? Jim must have gone out with him to turn him over to his keeper. I don't know why he isn't back yet. Man, sounds like a really queer character. Oh, you ain't kidding, brother. I mean, Mr. Kent. He looked sore when he went out with Jim, too. Yeah? Jim shouldn't have gone with him. How long ago did they leave, Beanie? About five or ten minutes ago. Which way did they go? Out into the corridor where the stairs and the elevators are. I don't like this. Uh, Look, Beanie, tell Mr. White I'll be back soon, will you? Yeah, sure, Mr. Kent. I want to speak to the elevator operators. One of them may know where Jim went. Okay, Mr. Kent. Gee, I hope there's nothing wrong. As I hurried out to question the elevator operators, I was completely unaware of a strange scene involving Jimmy Olsen that was taking place on the roof overhead. A development that, had I witnessed it, would have sent me hurtling into action as Superman. In just a moment, we'll return for the startling climax of today's episode in Clark Kent's story of Superman's strangest adventure. As I said before, I was completely unaware that as I left to question the elevator operators about Jimmy Olsen... On the roof above me rested a large plastic ball. Inside it, seated before an elaborate instrument panel, was Poco, the little rhyming jester. And behind him sat Anthar, his arms locked about Jimmy, who was struggling to escape. Let me go, I tell you. Let me out of here. That is impossible now, friend James. In 50 laps revolutions, exactly one half a minute, we must depart. Gee whiz, Walker, I don't want to go. That clock has struck, we shall depart. I, for one, was a worried heart. You'll be a lot more worried unless you let me out of here, you, you goons. Now, let me out of here. Please stop struggling, friend James. I tell you, it is useless. The morning time. This is the time. Good. Take off, Poco. No. No. Stop. Let me out of here. Pushing the starting lever sharply forward, Poco sent the strange plastic ball hurtling from the roof of the Daily Planet. Whirling higher and higher with the speed of a rocket, it streaked upward through the night sky, and a moment later was lost to sight among the shimmering stars. What happens now to Jim Olsen, a captive of what appear to be two madmen in a weird projectile that is rocketing off into space? Whatever you do, gang, don't miss the next episode in Clark Kent's fascinating story of his strangest experience as Superman in the mystery of the lost planet. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Kellogg's head. P-E-E-Pep Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal presents The Adventures of Superman 
Today, in his story of Superman's most unusual adventure, Clark Kent reveals how he learned that Jimmy Olsen had hurtled off into space with Anthar, the man from Utopia. Hello there, gang. This is your pal, Dan McCullough. You know, I'd like to congratulate the person who thought up the idea of putting that new series of comic buttons in packages of Kellogg's Pep. I'd like to tell him that he thought up a swell idea, because these Pep comic buttons are just about the best thing that's happened in a long, long time. First off, there's the doggone smart-looking, shiny and gleaming as anything, with 18 different true-to-life pictures of your favorite funny paper characters, like uh, the little moose or Spud or Superman himself. Yes, sir, there's plenty of excitement when Mom opens a new package of Kellogg's Pep, because that means that you get a new comic button for your collection. And that's how easy it is to get these swell prizes. You don't have to send in a single penny, not even a box stop. And you can't buy Pep comic buttons anywhere. They're your prizes from Kellogg's Pep. Half the sunshine cereal, you know. The golden toasted whole wheat flakes with that catchy sunshine flavor. Why, just one glimpse of your breakfast bowl full of Pep is a surefire invitation to dig into a super delicious dish. And your first taste is so downright wonderful that, well, you're all set for some happy eating, believe me. So remind Mom right now that you'll eat lots of P-E-P, the sunshine cereal, Kellogg's Pep. And now, the adventures of Superman. Signed by Editor Perry White to prepare a feature story on what, in his opinion, was Superman's most unusual adventure, Clark Kent recalled an experience that began one day when Jimmy Olsen was alone in the editorial offices of the Daily Planet. Seated at his typewriter, Kent remembers... Jimmy told me later that he laughed when the strange bearded man who called himself Anthar and claimed to come from the planet Utopia insisted that the Utopians were planning to invade and conquer the world. He was very much amused when Anthar offered to prove his truthfulness by taking Jimmy for a visit to Utopia. But he wasn't laughing very much when, a short time later, he was forced into a large plastic ball which Anthar called a space shell. And not at all when in a few minutes he found himself hurtling through space with Anthar and Poco, a little fat man who wore silver bells on his wrists and ankles and spoke only in rhyme. Since Jimmy is really a brave lad, he was resigning himself to an interesting experience when... Suddenly, the plastic space shell began to dive amid the eerie shimmer and crackling of electricity in the upper stratosphere. Hey, Ant, what's happening now? Do not be alarmed, friend James. But we, we're diving. I can feel it. Yes, we are descending to the truth, I hope. You hope? If our computations were correct. That is, if we left the planet Earth at the exact lapsed revolution, and if nothing has happened to the time mechanism of our space shell, we should land safely on Utopia. Oh, what think you, Poco? How do we stand? By the instrument guard, all is well. As for the rest, who can tell? Hey, what's that? The signal indicates that we approach the orbit in which the planet Utopia whirls. Poco, depress the lever. Please do not crack. I never forget. Good. We, we seem to be slowing up a little. Yes. Now, if all goes well, we will land on Utopia very soon. There's that gun again. Now what does it mean? That we are now within the orbit of Utopia. Oh, is that good? It is indeed. Now, if... Oh, please don't say if again. It gives me the willies. Very well. Say, the last time that gong rang, Poco pulled a lever. Shouldn't he do it again? No. Once within the orbit of Utopia, the space shell controls itself automatically. I see. Listen, what's that? Now we can say James, my friend. Jeepers, sounds as if we're breaking apart. Do not be alarmed. We are preparing to land. Land? Oh, Yeah. I see some yellow lights. Oh, bless our shell. Now all is well. 
Does Poco mean we're okay now, Renthor? He does, friend James. In a brief lapse revolution or two, you will hear the landing gong. There. Oh, hear the ground. The blessed ground. Yes, yes. Poco, turn off the motors. Quickly, before someone hears it. Oh, bless my eyes. I forgot the spies. What'd he say about spies, Anthor? There are spies are all about, so we must be very careful. Open the hatch, Coco, carefully. I'll be very quiet to avoid a riot. Saram oh, is the bad guy who runs this place, isn't he? Yes, he is indeed a bad man who has risen to seize the position of regent by playing upon my people's fears. Come, let us leave the shell while all shit well. Yes, Coco. Step out, friend James, but quietly, please. Oh, okay. Sag. What's that music I hear? You do not really hear music. But I do. Hush, not so loud. Your voice may draw a crowd. Coco is right. Speak low. Okay. But what's that music? I say you do not hear music. It is merely the vibrations of our sound waves, which are different from those on Earth. In a moment, as your ears become accustomed to it, you will not hear anything. Say, you're right. It's fading away. You see? Say, where are we? I can't see much. We're in the park in the city of Regis, which is the capital of Utopia. Utopia? Oh, now, look, all kidding aside, are we really on a different planet? You are on Utopia. I, I can't believe it. Look, Anthar, we should not stay. We must at once go away. You are right, Poco. Come, friend James. We will go to my house where you will be safe. Oh, now, wait a minute. I, I don't know that I want to go to your house. Please, please, let us go away. It's dangerous to delay. We come, Poco. Friend James, I said I would bring you here to Utopia and prove to you that I speak the truth. But you must listen to me now and come to my house. If you are discovered by Zaram's spies, it will mean your death and death for me and Poco, too. Well, all right, but I don't like the idea. Hey, hey, who's holding me? What do you mean? No one holds you. Somebody must be holding you. I can't move. Please do not play. We must run, I say. Who's playing? I tell you, someone's holding you. I can't move. Great space, Poco. We have forgotten. Forgotten what? I know if not. Friend James is from Earth. The heavier gravity of Utopia holds him fast to the ground. Oh, whoa, oh, oh, gloom. This spells his doom. Help me, Anthar. I can't move my feet off the ground. Do not lose courage, friend James. As soon as we have adjusted your body to the heavier gravity of Utopia, you will move as freely as you did on Earth. But how are you going to do it? There is a way. A dangerous way. What is the way? Please, Anthar, say. Anthar, you here? It is a guard, I fear. Great space. We must hurry. But I, I can't move a muscle. Quickly, Poco. Help me to carry our friend. Carry him where? Fear whitens my hair. You'll carry him to the compression chamber. Hurry. Yeah, for Pete's sake, hurry. You take him by the arms, Poco. I will carry him by the feet. No, no, no. All right, all right. This will take all my might. There. He's off the ground. Now we can carry him. Come, quickly now. Gee whiz, Anthar. Do you think we'll get away with this? Do not worry, friend James. Goss, the inventor of the compression chamber, is our friend. And he works secretly with us against Saram. His chamber would adjust your body to Utopia's weight of gravity. I, I sure hope so. I was never in a pickle like this before. Lose courage, friend James. Boss's house and laboratory are close at hand. Can't be too close to suit me. Oh, but only Poco's spells did not tinkle so. Yeah, they do make a racket, don't they? I think of them too, but what can I do? Oh, nothing, of course, Poco, since they cannot be removed. If only we can reach Boss's house before the guards stumble on the space shell. Oh, if only. Boy, you guys sure got me in a swell mess. It is for the sake of your own. Who's that? The guards. They must have discovered the space shell. Holy smokes. Oh, Anthar, my friend, this is truly the end. 
Jimmy was really in that spot that time as the shouting guards came closer and closer to Anthar and Poco, who were doing their best to run with the burden of his dead weight. And all the time here on Earth, I was completely unaware of Jimmy's predicament. At about the same time that Anthar, Poco, and Jimmy were trying to evade Zaram's guards on Utopia, here on Earth, Editor Perry White and I were just stepping out on the roof of the Daily Planet building in search of our young friend. Idea dragging me up here, Kent. Because the elevator operator said he brought Jim and that that madman to the roof a few minutes ago. Oh, nonsense. What would they come up here for? I don't know. I certainly wish I did. They must have been mistaken. You can see no one's up here. No. Well, then where did Jim go, Chief? Uh, probably went out for a malted milk or something. You know he's always hungry. No, I don't think he went out to eat. Not with that old character, anyhow. Now, look, Kent. This is probably one of Jim's stupid practical jokes. Well, chances are he's back in the office right now, waiting to give us the horse laugh. No. No, no, he's not in the office. How do you know he isn't? What? Why, uh... Uh-oh. Well, now what? There's someone over there by the radio tower. Come on. Oh, where? Can't tell who it is yet. It's lying on the roof. <laughs> is it Jim? No. What? Why, it's Tom Carlson. Who? Tom Carlson, the news announcer in our radio studio. Tom. Tom, wake up, fella. Oh, what's the matter with him? I don't know. He... Oh, wait a minute. He's coming, too. What? What happened? Well, that's what I want to know. What are you doing up here, Carlson? What happened to you, Tom? Jim. Listen. Yes? Jim. Jim. What about Jim? Speak up, Carlson. Speak up. Jim. Tom. Uh-oh. He passed out. Great Caesar. Tom. Tom. What happened to Jim? <laughs> Anxiously, Editor White and I bent over the unconscious radio announcer, making every effort to bring him around, and hoping with all our might that he would be able to give us a clue to what had happened to Jim. This, I can tell you, was a very tense moment for me. There are many thrills and much excitement to follow in Clark Kent's fascinating story of Superman's most interesting adventure, The Mystery of the Lost Planet. So don't miss a moment of it. Be sure to tune in again Monday, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P, Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents... The Adventures of Superman. Today, Clark Kent continues his narrative of Superman's most unusual adventure and recounts the details of Jimmy Olsen's predicament on the planet Utopia. Hello there, gang. 
Dan. This is your pal Dan McCullough. You know, even if you'd never read a comic strip in the funny papers, you'd still want to collect all 18 comic buttons in that new series Kellogg's Pet is putting out. Because the colors are so bright and clear, those buttons really show up when you wear them pinned on your jacket or your dresser cap. But since you know all the characters and follow their adventures all the time, why, it's even more fun. Yes, and they look true to life, too, so real they could speak. Take the little moose, for instance, with his arms folded on his chest and that feather in his black hair. Or Vitamin Flintheart, derby hat and long hair and fur coat and all. Or Superman himself, complete with flying red cape and Superman insignia. Yes, sir, these pet comic buttons are mighty nifty. And they're so easy to get. You don't send in any money, not even a box stop. And you can't buy them anywhere. The only way that you can get them is to ask Mom to get you some Kellogg's Pep and look for your comic button inside every package you open. And look for some doggone good eating, too, because Pep's a ringer when it comes to crispness and flavor. Kellogg's Pep is called the Sunshine Cereal. Every spoonful of those grand whole wheat flakes is loaded with sunny, golden toasted goodness that keeps you digging in for more. Fact is, gang, Pep tastes just as good as it is good for you. So remind Mom to get you some P-E-P, the Sunshine Cereal, Kellogg's Pep. And now, the adventures of Superman. In writing an account of his most unusual adventure as Superman, Clark Kent told of a strange bearded man named Anthar who insisted to Jimmy Olsen that he came from the planet Utopia to warn of an invasion of the Earth. Jimmy, we learned, scoffed at Anthar's story until he was forced into a spherical space shell, piloted by a little fat man whom Anthar called Poco and who spoke only in rhyme. And a very short while later, Jimmy found himself on the planet Utopia where, because of a difference in gravity, he was unable to move. Then, while Anthar and Poco were carrying him to safety, they were spotted and pursued by vicious guards of the cruel ruler Saram. Now, Kent continues with his story. Worried about Jimmy's disappearance with a strangely dressed, peculiar acting old man, Editor White and I went up to the roof of the Daily Planet where we learned the boy had gone. He was, of course, nowhere in sight. Instead, we found Tom Carlson, a radio announcer, unconscious. While the chief ran off to call a doctor, I worked over Tom, and in a few moments he began to come to. Oh, oh Kent, is that true? Yes, Carlson. What happened to you, fella? Why, oh, holy smokes, Kent. Jim Molson. Yes, what about Jim? Did you see him up here on the roof? Yes. That is, I, I think I did. Now look, Tom, maybe you better start from the beginning and tell me everything that happened. Well, I, I just finished our early news broadcast. Yes. I came up on the roof here for a breath of air. I often do that. Yes, yes, go on. I started to walk across the roof, and I, I heard a funny noise, kind of a high-pitched whine, like, well, sort of like electric motors of some kind. Electric motors? That's right. Then then I saw the strange contraption, a big spherical thing, like a great big ball of some sort. And the motor sound was coming from that? Yes. This, this thing was gleaming in the dark, and it was transparent. I could see right into it, like like into a lighted room. Now, wait a minute, Tom. Are you sure you're not still kind of fuzzy? No, the... Kent, I'm not. I tell you, I looked right inside that ball, Kent, and there sat Jimmy. Jimmy? Jimmy Olsen? Yes. He was struggling with a tall, thin man, dressed in shorts. Scott the madman. And another man, a, a little fat guy, was working levers in the forward part of the sphere. I started over there when all of a sudden, whoosh, the ball shot off the roof as if it had been fired out of a cannon. What? No kidding. Jets of air shot out of the ball when it took off and knocked me back against the tower. Before I passed out, I swear I saw it shooting up to the stars. Utterly and completely shocked by Tom Carlson's story, I just stood there and stared at him, for the moment unable to believe what I'd heard. And at that time, I learned later from Jimmy, he was thousands of miles away on the planet Utopia. There, he and Anthar, surrounded by armed guards dressed in gleaming tunics of woven metal, were marching down a long, high-vaulted corridor. Where are these guards taking us, Anthar? Take us to the evil region, Saram, friend James. I would advise you to expect the worst. Jeepers. Oh! Golly, now what? Saram's council room is behind these tall doors. Uh-oh. And 
This is it, huh? Let me quiet. Inform His Excellency that I bring the prisoners. How come Polko isn't here with us? He was taken away by the guards while you were in the compression chamber. Taken away? To where? I do not know. Chico, you don't suppose they they did something to poor Polko, do you? I, I do not know. Empire, look. He's silent now. You may bring in the prisoners. Very well. Prisoners, march. Come, friend James. Boy, what a room. Big as a house. It's formerly the king's own council room. The stained glass windows and and the paintings and rugs. The prisoners will advance. Come, walk with me, friend James. That guy up there on the high throne is is yes, that? That is Saddam. Huh. He doesn't look like much. His appearance is deceiving. Holy smokes! Look who's sitting on that cushion. It's Aram's feet. Look, it's Polko. Prisoners! Oh! Bye, bye, nasty spy. Hey, did Polko say that to us, Anthar? Yes, but I do not understand. Anthar's a spy, and soon he will die. What? And you are soon, too. Your end is due. Well, how do you like that look, Polko? Silence, Earthling! You, Anthar, you call the Earthling friend? Is not that the usual greeting in Utopia, Excellency? Among ourselves, yes. Not to our enemies. The boy is not an enemy. No, of course I'm not. Is he not from the Earth? Yes, but... Cannot they of the Earth our future foes? I trust not, sire. I have attempted to convince you that you make a dreadful mistake in your plan to invade the Earth. You attempt to convince me. Who are you to dare to challenge your regent? I do not challenge. I only assume my right as the senior senator of the council to advise you. I've heard your advice and I decided against it. You dare to cross me secretly, dare even to go to our enemies and warn them of our intentions. That Anthar makes you a traitor. He is not a traitor and Poco knows it. What is this? Poco knows what? Well, Poco is well. Anthor, Poco, say... Silence, Earthling! Well, Poco, it appears that the Earthling gives the lie to your story. He seeks to imply that you know more of Anthar's trip to Earth than you've told me. It is a lie. A lie what he seeks to imply. It's just as I said. I was asleep in my bed. If that is so, I am reminded to ask how came you in the park when the guard captured Anthar and the Earthling? Yeah, let's hear you answer that. James, please. Answer, fool! How came you in the park? Well, there was a pain in my head. So I rose from my bed and strolled in the park to hear the song of the lark. It, then down came the space shell, close where I stood. Oh, so startled was I, my, my legs turned to wood. But when I saw them step out, they aroused my ire, for I knew they meant ill, uh, to use Aram, sire. And so swift I gave chase, and when the guards came, I, I held fast the two villains. And now, me, you dare to blame. Well, how do you like that? Do not deny him, friend James. Well, Anthar, You, Anthar, does the fool speak the truth? Yes, sire, he does. Hmm. What say you to that, Earthling? Why, I guess that's the way it was. <laughs> Good. I did not think the fool could dare be treacherous to me. No, I could not be, sire. For you, I love and admire. Enough! Anthar, you admit then that you went to the Earth to warn our enemies? That you brought this young one back to spy upon us? No, Saddam. I admit nothing. Naturally. What say you, Earthling? You deny coming here to spy on us? My name isn't Earthling, it's Jim Olson, and I didn't come here to spy. I've heard enough to convince me that you both lie. Therefore, I, Saram, regent of Utopia, sentence you both, you, Anthar, and you, Earthling, to be placed within a sealed space shell, to be thus curled out into great space itself, where you shall perish. <laughs> 
While Anthar bowed his head as in token of submission, Jimmy's face drained of color as the realization of the fate to which Zaram had doomed him struck home. Alone, a stranger on a faraway planet, with no hope of contacting me, the boy felt there was no hope. And now, back to Clark Kent's narrative of Superman's most unusual adventure. As Zaram, evil regent of Utopia, pronounced the death sentence for Anthar and Jimmy Olsen, there was a moment of silence in the huge throne room. Then Anthar raised his head high and spoke up. One moment, sire. As a senator, I demand my privilege of a trial by my senate colleagues. For so is it prescribed in the great charter of Utopia. Oh? So you wish a trial, do you? Yes. I demand it as my right. Hmm. <laughs> Very well. You shall have a trial. And the earthling, too. Tomorrow. But I would not advise you to hope for too much from this trial, Antha. <laughs> Guards, take away these two and place them in cells. Yes, sire. Come, prisoners. Guard, all in. Come, friend James. Boy, I sure was surprised when Zaram led you to love him into giving us a trial. It is a hollow victory. We're agreed only because he considers it a meaningless gesture. Why do you say that? Because all good and brave senators who dare to defy Zaram have been imprisoned or liquidated. The remainder I have a fear of willingly follows Zaram. Oh. Friend James, I am afraid, I am very much afraid, that tomorrow will see the end of us. Gee whiz. His face grown pale again, Jimmy walked with a sad-faced Anthar among the menacing men of Zaram. And despite his fear of what lay in store for him, he told me later the one thing that hurt him most was the thought that Poco, the little fat rhymester, for whom he developed an affection, had turned against his friend. Was Jimmy Olsen right in assuming that Poco had turned against him and Anthar? What happens now? Don't miss tomorrow's episode of Clark Kent's thrilling story of Superman's most unusual adventure when he reveals how he found out about Jimmy's predicament. Yes, be sure to tune in again tomorrow. Same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!